What is up, everybody? Matt Swifty Perry here with the Leader Swift Podcast. Today, I am so excited. We got Sean Nepstead. Sean is a pastor. He is one of the best preachers out there, and he just wrote a new book that releases this week called Don't Quit in the Dip. And so I'm very excited for this podcast with Sean Nepstead. Uh, we're going to jump right in, but before we do that, can you uh, share this episode with a friend? Uh, we would love to just spread the word on the leadership content uh, that is coming out. So share this with a friend, click the subscribe button, and we're going to jump in right now with Sean Nepstead. What is up, everybody? I am here with Sean Nepstead. How are you today, Sean? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, tell us just a little bit about you and your leadership journey for maybe some of those people who don't know you. Sure. We started our church when I was 24 years old, which you have to be half crazy to start church at 24. <laughs> uh, our city was in luck. I'm three-quarter crazy on my daddy's side. You know, I'm fifth-generation pastor, both sides of the family. And it was kind of insinuated, you just build a great church by preaching your guts out and having great worship, and the church would grow. Well, that might work for some people, but that wasn't working for me. And we had four girls under the age of two when they were born, two, one, and twins were zero when we started the church. And we grew to 300 very quickly and then just plateaued. And we were, we were stuck for seven years, stuck. And 300 is a great number, great size church. I mean, that's... Um, nothing to kick at, but what do you do when the dream inside of you is not matching the reality that's in front of you? It's very frustrating, which a lot of listeners right now, you're there where you're frustrated. Here's the problem with frustration. Frustration never stays put. It always leads to despair. And seven years, zero growth. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm the one man band, you know, I, you've seen a one man band playing yeah. downtown somewhere. He's playing the drums or harmonica. He's got cymbals between his legs. Uh, it's impressive at first glance, but the closer you get, the more pitiful it is. And you would, you and I would not have that guy lead worship on a weekend. Well, that was me setting up, tearing down, leading worship, offering, preaching, announcements, prayer team. It was the Sean show and it was dumb. And so my leadership was, I was stuck because of me. You know, John Maxwell talks about lifting the lid. Well, I was the lid. What do you do when you are the lid? And I was literally, bro, I'll take you, when I wrote this book, I wrote it in pain. And I'm, ta I'm taking people back to a season where I'm very vulnerable, but I'm, or, I'm like folded up like origami under my desk, begging God, please show me another pastor to pass this church to because I've hit my lid. And here's a scary thing. I started to accept it. I accepted the lid. I was like, all right, okay, this is as much as I can do. And so the reason why the book is entitled Don't Quit in the Dip is because so many people have a dream. Everybody has a dream. There's, a, there's an idea of success in our mind, but there's always a dip before you get there. And the problem is, Matty, most people quit in the dip. Successful people are not people who didn't have a dip. They just forged ahead. And everybody, I don't care who it is, everybody has a dip. Like, none of us have the perfectly filtered lives that we portray on Instagram, right? Everybody has that one area that is not where they want it to be. They feel stuck. And so 
um, for me, God's given me keys to help people get out of the dip. And if you feel stuck, if you're listening to this and you feel stuck, like maybe maybe it's ministry, but maybe it's maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe it's your marriage. You feel like your marriage is over. Maybe you've come out of a difficult breakup. Maybe it's a battle with your health. Maybe it's depression and you haven't let anybody know. My life was dominated for the first 25 years of my life with fear and anxiety. And I don't mean a little bit. I mean, it, it kind of manifests itself in my life with, with stomach pains. And I would be doubled over for eight hours at a time, no relief. I mean, they would take me to the hospital and not even morphine would take the edge. I mean, it took the edge off, but it wouldn't take the pain away. Finally, I'm in the hospital for three weeks. I'm so desperate. I don't know what's going on. People are freaking out. I'm freaking out. They're like, what's happening in the church? I don't know. What's going on with, with, with this weekend? I don't know. Who's preaching? I don't know. All I knew is that my life was falling apart. And depression and fear was dominating my life. And I lost so much weight. I, got, I dropped down to 125 pounds. Wow. And they were, they were going to do exploratory surgery. And they diagnosed it as ulcerative colitis. Now, I've talked to a woman who had ulcerative colitis, Matthew, and she said the pains of that is worse than childbirth. Like the, these are severe pains. So, you know, me, I, I threw that in my wife's face. <laughs> don't you talk to me about pain. You don't even know. No, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> but I, I did, I did come to the end of my rope, came to the end of my hope. And I stopped believing that God could fulfill the dream that he gave me. Hey, listen, there are some people who are chasing after dreams God never gave them. Wow. That's but it's good. frustrating. It's frustrating when you're chasing after the dream God gave you and you feel like it will never come to pass. Mm. So I was in a dip for seven years, zero growth, begging God to quit. And we started prayer meeting. You know, I catch on really fast. Hey, guys, we've been pastoring for seven years. Maybe we should pray, you know. Um, we started prayer meeting, and I wish I could say it was super anointed. It, bro, it was me and eight people, six from my family. They had to be there. <laughs> but we banked on Jeremiah 33.3. God said, call to me. I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and marvelous, or marvelous, wonderful things. And I was like, I'm not seeing marvelous things. I'm seeing mediocre. Where's this marvelous stuff? And in the dip, you start comparing yourself to everybody else. And, and that really, that's just an ugly shovel. Envy, jealousy are ugly shovels the devil gives you to dig deeper. You try to get out of the dip yourself. You try harder. You know, you, you give it all its blood, sweat, and tears. That goes over like a pregnant pole vaulter, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it doesn't work. If we can get out by ourselves, we wouldn't need the Lord. But I came out of that. God began to give me strategies on how to build people and relationship with key people. And slowly but surely, I began to climb out of the dip. Wow. Matter of fact, fear was broken off of my life. And I haven't had a pain in 17 years. I, fear does not dominate my life. And let me, let, let me just talk to anybody who's listening for a second. Fear and anxiety do not have to be a life sentence for you. Wow. You need to know that the people, our church has grown, and to God be the glory. It's grown and reaching thousands of people. But where would these people be had we quit in the dip? Here's my one point 
for the day. Don't quit in the dip. Like, go buy the book. Uh, it's 21 chapters, really 21 sermons you can re-preach, you know, and just and help people out. But I'm here to tell you, there are people on the other side of your dip. Literally, your destiny is on the other side of your dip. You won't reach what God has for you if you don't come out of this dip. So that is the, the gist of the book, man. I, I, I feel so burdened for people because they're struggling. They're stuck in a dip. And, and really, the dip has choked out their enthusiasm to believe God for more. And there is more available. That's that's so good. Um, I, I really liked what you said about uh, you identified there's people in the dip right now. Right. We're in this crazy season and people there's pastors and leaders listening to this who are like, Sean, I am minutes away from from giving up right now. Uh, what would you if, if you're sitting at coffee with that pastor, what would you say? Um I know, like, don't give up, but but go a little bit deeper into that. Like, what would you say when you look in their eyes, you see that pain? Sure. No, I was there. That's that's how I can relate is I was there and begging the Lord to quit. I would say to you, you can't quit. Like, quitting is, is not in your calling. There's so much pressure right now to crumble. But crumbling is not your calling. You're called to overcome. And I know you can't even see it right now. That's the problem. When you're in the dip, your view is obstructed by the dip. You can't see past the dip. You can't see how God's going to use this. You can't see how there are other people waiting for you to come out of this because they need to hear your story. But I would say to you, listen, go back and rethink and listen to all the voices that helped you out of that, that, that spoke into your life at some point. You know, like all the people you look up to. OK, faces are coming to your mind right now. Okay, every one of them had a dip. Aren't you grateful that they didn't quit in the dip? Aren't you grateful that they plowed through and forged ahead? Because of them going through and, and not quitting in the dip, now you're encouraged. Now you're motivated. Now, if you're broke, you don't want to talk to somebody who was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. You want to talk to somebody who, who lost it all or had nothing and then and back and budgeted and learned how to get out of debt. Same thing with any area of life. People are waiting for you on the other side of your, your dip. And for me, I just kept looking at the 300 faces at our church. And I thought to myself, I can't leave them. Like, think about the vision that God's given you, the dream he's given you. It's bigger than you. And that verse, Galatians 6, 9, is the crux of the book. Do not grow weary in doing at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up now you can go ahead and give up if you want to that's fine but then don't ask god to help you fulfill the purpose then like you have to you have to get so quitting is an option but but it's a mindset and our lives are affected and directed by the way we think the way we think determines the way we live. It's like the, the people of Gad in Numbers chapter 32. You know, they waited, all the tribes of Israel had waited for, tw you know, 12 tribes waited for 40 years to get back into the promised land. And then the tribe of Gad and Reuben literally come to the precipice of the promised land and say, ah, I think we're good. We're going to stay over here on the east side of the Jordan. This is our inheritance. 
And Moses gets so mad. He's like, what in the world are you talking about? Your inheritance. This is not your inheritance. And they literally stayed outside of the promised land and tried to tell God where their inheritance was. How many times have we tried to tell God where our inheritance ought to be? Wow. Gad, Gad's inheritance was not God's inheritance. They settled. And it literally says they settled. Verse 1 said, because of their, their flocks. They turned around and said, hey, we have flocks, herds, and, and this land's suitable for herds. So why don't we just stay here? It's crazy because if you look, go back and look up how they got those herds, those flocks, it was from previous battles that the Lord gave them victory over. Here's a crazy thought. Many of us are like, God, do you want to bless me? Does God want to bless me? Of course he does. The question is not, does God want to bless you? The question is, can you handle the blessing of God when it comes? Or will it become a stumbling block that will prohibit you from following him later? The tribe of Gad did not enter the promised land. And they stayed outside in a city called Gilead. Can I tell you, if you're listening to this today and you feel stuck, don't settle. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. Don't try to stay in Gilead and decorate it like Canaan. Wow. Don't don't stay there in a dip and and you know move your address to 555 Dip Street. You can come out. God's given me some powerful truths to help people who feel stuck. And whether it's your marriage or whether it's depression or whether it's anxiety or or your job, you feel like you keep getting passed over by everybody else. I don't know what it is, but you know. And God knows. And God had me write this book for you. Don't quit in the dip. There's still more on the other side of the dip. That's so good. That's so good, Pastor Sean. You just brought us to church in this podcast, but that was, man, that was so good. Uh, where can people follow you on social media and, and hear more about your book and everything you're talking about? Sure. If you go to MySpace, I'm kidding. If you go to Instagram, Facebook, obviously, Twitter, we're on those three. Uh, just my name, Sean Nepstad. But if you want to order the book, you can go to my website, seannepstad.com. And if you'd like to order the book, um, you can buy that anywhere books are sold. But here's what I would say. Who do you know that's in a dip right now? You know, like, like I, I have people saying that I'm buying this for my entire church staff. We have other people saying, I'm buying it for our church and giving it out because who is not in a dip right now? Uh, some family members are saying, I bought five and I bought one for me and four for my family members because they're in a dip. So don't just think about yourself. Who is in a dip that you can buy this book for? Because I believe that with all of my heart, God's going to give you the strength to climb out of the dip and help some other people. So you can buy the book wherever books are sold. That's so good. Thank you so much, Pastor. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Great to be with you.